0: Ask for your covering over this time in Jesus' name, Amen. May be seated. (laughs) To continue. Just a few more thoughts on the idea of giving and uh, how it's related to all of us first in the sense of of giving in the church. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, uh, we see those few people who uh, have got that gift of giving that God has called to be generous in a special way. And uh, a lot of times, uh, uh, some churches have, have even gotten to the point where they kind of relax uh, you know people relax in the church about their own giving because they know we 've got so and so or so and so or someone else that 's going to give generously and, and make up the difference, so to speak and the sad part about that is it 's not so much that the the, the work doesn 't get done or the money doesn 't come in as much as I really believe that we all miss out on the blessing when we don 't share together in the ministry. And one of the ways we share is through our giving. Just a, a few reminders before we go to, uh, uh, well, let's just uh, begin with Malachi chapter 3. Um, uh, starting with the sixth verse, uh, Malachi says, for the, for speaking for the Lord, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, old children of Jacob, are not consumed. That in and of itself is a promise. You know, God says, I'm going to to prosper you at some point. And and so I don't change. My promise doesn't change. I am going to do this. But he also points out, verse 7, From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. We'll get to that passage and its its impact in a moment, but first I want to look at just the reality of some of the things that we've already talked about over the last couple of weeks. First, everything we have, I think we're in a a whole agreement here, everything we have, we, we do understand is from God. And the reason why I said it such a lengthy way instead of just saying everything we have is from God, because we understand it but we don't necessarily live like it. And and we don't necessarily think like it in all the ways that we use the resources that God has given us. And so we want to just establish that everything comes from God. God gives to us according to his purpose. In other words, he has a plan for all of us, and he gives according to us fitting into that plan. And, you know, there are times where maybe you know, the, 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 the budget just isn't balancing. Is it possible that we're not pursuing his plan as an individual or even as a congregation? That happens sometimes. And you have to sit back and rethink and say, okay, how, you know, what are we missing? Or what am I missing? What is it that God would have me be doing right now? So God gives us according to his purpose. And then he invites us to participate in his kingdom's work, in the work of the kingdom, uh, in in the ministry of of the gospel. And he invites us to do this physically with our gifts. We've been talking about gifts and and ministering one to another. So we're physically invited and given the uh, gifts to do this. And then we are also invited to participate in the ministry financially through our giving. We normally use a phrase something like giving back a portion of what he has given us. Another thing I think that I hope we established was that the the way we handle our resources, all of our resources, not just our, our, our financial resources, but all of our resources, our uh, The health that we have, uh, the energy that we have, the time that we have, in addition to the financial resources that we have, how we handle our resources is a reflection on our relationship with God. Last week, I focused on on specifically one scripture, Luke chapter twelve verse thirty four Where your treasure is there will your heart be also. With that, coming from that was the uh, self-examination personally. Where is my heart? Where is my heart? How many times do I ask that question? Where is my heart in relationship to my giving, in relationship to my, my uh, serving the Lord in various and sundry ways? And, and am I seeking his purpose or just doing the work. Have you ever thought about that even? How you can get (laughs) sidetracked on doing day-to-day things, and it becomes routine, and you forget to to bring the Lord into it. And it can happen in the ministry, it can happen at home, it can happen at work. Uh, I think I told you about my friend who who, uh, set his watch on the five minutes off the hour. So this was years ago when they first came out with beeping watches that drove everybody crazy. Uh, and and so at one oh five, beep, and it only beeped once, and that was his reminder. Of having the last hour, I thought anything about God, and His love, and His mercy, and His grace. And he says it wasn't unusual for him to be in a situation when that would happen. He'd look out a window and just see the awesomeness of a, of, of, of 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 like I mean, he loved things like hummingbirds and stuff like you know, and just catch a glimpse of something that God had created or or a thought would come through his mind, or just to be thankful for what he has. And to count, you know, he was an old-timer, he liked his old times to count his many blessings. Where's my heart? And that sense of the willingness, the wanting to, even asking God to give me the willingness and the want to. Sounds a little like A.W. Tozer in his prayer life there for a minute. But, but that in sense of, of, of wanting his direction, to know his direction. I think sometimes I even shy away because I think I know what he's going to ask of me. And I'm not sure I want to do it. You may never have experienced that. But I, I have. At that point, that's when I have to pray, Lord, give me the desire to desire your purpose, not mine. Your will, not mine. And all of this goes back to Romans 12, 1 and 2, about giving ourselves, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Are we sincere about that? And the implication of the way that's put together, I believe that's something that would be considered a daily, at least, exercise. Of, of, of spiritual time you know, uh, I, I, maybe you wake up in the morning and you know, di- different people do different things I, I have one person I know that, that wakes up in the morning and, and one of the first things he does is he, he, he touches his feet shod with the, the, the gospel of peace and he, t- you know, he touches his body the helmet of salvation and, and, and holds in his mind the shield of faith and, and, and the sword of the word and, and, and he, he speaks it out loud as if he were putting on the armor of God. He does it every morning. First time I experienced it was on a mission trip with him. Drove me crazy initially. And I found out why it drove me crazy. It made sense and I wasn't doing it. And to offer ourselves, along with that, as a living sacrifice. Lord, it is you and you alone that I serve even as I love my wife, even as I love my children or my grandchildren, I love them best through you, Lord. Again, I want to emphasize that in this idea of giving is more a broader word that, that implies more to sharing as well. It's not just uh, our, our finances, our finances, although it may be byproducts of our finances. Uh, John the Baptist, I shared with you out of Luke chapter 3 last week, commented to, to the people that were coming to be baptized. He's saying, you know, you guys are, are living one way and and, and 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 talking one way and living another. You know, get it squared away. He says, if you're really sincere about your repentance, you, 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 it would change the way you think about your stuff. And you would realize if somebody has no cloak or coat or tunic depending on what scripture or passage, uh, version you're using he said and you have two but you wouldn't hesitate but to give him one this isn't the gift of giving yet you see these are just the, the passages that deal with the foundation of for all of us in the sense of giving closed last week with the the reality that as we examine ourselves, we get to be thankful as we look at Christ. Because he makes it very clear, and we just sang it in some words just a minute ago, where his treasure is. He sacrificed his all for the treasure that that he values. He held nothing back. Used uh, parables prior to uh, all of that, uh, the prior to the, the crucifixion and stuff in the, in the last week. He used parables that, talking about the guy who, who would be digging in the field and found you know, the, a treasure and, and, and went and sold everything he had just so he could buy the, the field and have that treasure. All of these kinds of things. He says, What kind of value, basically, are you putting? And, and it was all ultimately pointing to God and our relationship with Him through Christ. What kind of value are you putting on that treasure? The treasure that really adds up on an eternal basis. Because as he shared with the parable with the rich fool, none of this is going with you. It's the stuff that you store up in heaven through the work of the kingdom, through the love of Christ, that you do in the attitude and the love of Christ that makes the difference that lasts. So he was willing to suffer and to die to, to show us that we are his treasure, his church, his people. We are his treasure. And that compelled me to ask one more question that we have to wrestle with. And I, I have the answer absolutely fixed in my mind as to know it. And it's not just because it's the spiritually right answer. If you ask me, is Christ my treasure, I can all sincerity say yes. But I will tell you that on a day-to-day basis, I get distracted and don't think about it that way. Many people would say that uh, our checkbook reveals... Uh, our heart you know, i 've had i 've had more than one speaker speaking on stewardship and giving and stuff say, Give me your check me, checkbook and i 'll show you where your heart is. I guess they they might need our debit statement now or some other thing but but the idea was uh to to you could where where you 're spending your money uh where you 're giving uh, your resources, how you use them and I never even saw this before until I was going through uh, a a teaching uh, by Stephen Cole, who is the pastor of uh, Flagstaff uh, Christian Fellowship in Arizona. And he points out something very interesting about Zacchaeus. Maybe because I'm short, that it stuck in my mind that he was a wee little man and had to climb the tree to see what was going on. I'm not sure, you know, why. But but the idea was is that I, I I he he did something very interesting, and and Jesus had an interesting response. Let me share these verses with you from Luke chapter 19. This was after uh, you know. He'd gone and and Jesus had come to his house and all this kind of stuff. And it says in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. By the way, do you recall what his profession was? Tax collector. Do you know how the tax collector made his living? He got a stipend, you know, a base salary, and then... What he could get above and beyond the taxes, he got a percentage, basically, you know. Uh, and and so that's and if he was wealthy, it was because he collected more than was due. Keep that in mind, okay? Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, the half of my I give, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything." I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus' heart was changed as he came into understanding who Jesus is and receiving him. Jesus did not say salvation came to this house because Zacchaeus said the things he said and was going to do these things. Oh, now that you're going to do those things, salvation's here. He said salvation has come to the end because I can see the evidence of a changed heart. Your whole idea about finances has radically changed, Zacchaeus, and how you view it and how you're going to deal with it. So the question in, in New Testament teaching, and, and now we know the Old Testament, what was the standard word used for giving? Tithe, 10%. By the way, because of the way that worked and the temple taxes and other things that were involved, the, uh, the, the tithe added up to it, nothing less than 23 to 25%, somewhere in that category. Um, so it was more than ten percent that they were giving at that point, but there was a specific idea of the tithe, and I shared with you uh, that you know Abraham even set a stage as to it being an act of, 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 of thanksgiving and, and, and worship to the one who blessed him to give a tithe to it and And so uh, uh, the question comes up then uh, you know, how much? in the New Testament. And the, the general statement is there is no scripture where Paul turns around and says, and oh, by the way, about the tithe. Now, Jesus makes a couple of inferences in reference to talking to Jewish people about you tithe this and tithe that, and you fail to do this. You know, so your offering doesn't really have, you're legalistic about this and forgetting about this. And and, and and as a result, you're still missing the boat here. Your tithe isn't going to cover you. And some people will say, well, because Jesus didn't say negative things about the tithe there, he says you should do that and this, uh, that Jesus was saying we're to tithe. Unfortunately, we just don't have the phrase that says, thou shalt tithe in the New Testament. I believe there's a, a principle that's a, uh, that goes back to Genesis 14 that's seen in, in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 7 with the, the, the tithe that Melchizedek gave and, and, and the whole context of the way that's presented, that it suggests that that is a principle. Not so much the law as much as a principle of giving. But when you really get down to it, how much of, of what God has blessed me with is am I to be giving back to his, his work the answer starts with all. Not 10%. Thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed me with, but I know it's for your purpose, so I yield. Now, does God allow me to use it to put a roof over my head and, the, and all the kinds of things that we have? And the answer is yes but I believe that there's supposed to be a sense of frugality even there for all of us. That we might be able to give something to his kingdom's work. And again, I say you know, how we use what he has provided for us is an indicator of how our relationship with God is, is going. Now, Israel, which we've just read in Malachi, they were failing to be faithful in the fullness of what it meant to be giving to God. I'm not going to go into all the details, but as a result, they didn't even see it. They said, God says, you're going to even be surprised. You know, I'm telling you, you robbed me, and you're going to say, we do? We, didn't, we don't see it. And so he emphasizes the, the bringing the whole tithe you know we get so clever about what the whole is and we talked about that before that that you know the bottom line is is that it's just well how has god bless you return it in like in a, in a in a in a in a gift back and he spelled out how that gift in the old testament would be reflected So God instructs them, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Now, keep that in mind for a moment again, because we don't have anything that that says that in the New Testament, and there's a number of people who say that that was the law under Moses, and they were not under that, and I I think there's an argument there. Uh, So how do we look at this? Well, one of the things is, like I said, I, I see the principle of tithing as something that was established even before the law of Moses. However, I will join Tim Keller and, and Randy Alcorn. Uh, by the way, you want to read, I think I mentioned this already, you want to read some great books on giving and, and and this type of thing. Randy Alcorn's got a whole bunch of them that are just very inspiring. But is the idea, and many others, the tithe, I, and I believe this... Is not meant to be, or not to be legalistic about it. In other words, I really believe this has come to a point of you and the Lord, and in a sense, maybe you and your spouse in the Lord, and sometimes you and your family in the Lord, maybe you and your business partners in the Lord, but it's a personal thing, meaning it's not my business other than to encourage you to always look at your giving and see where it is, what you're doing with it, and be willing to ask God if you need to do something new or fresh or different about it. Because once we make it a law, once we say, thou shalt tithe, A lot of people, once they hit the tide, they think they've made it. That is not what the scripture says at all. The idea, actually, that Paul presents is, how has God prospered you? Give accordingly. Talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. How has God prospered you? Give accordingly and i've shared with you many times before uh, people that i know personally who have become very wealthy they've gone from from garage businesses to to multifaceted global enterprises and their figures their their, their seven and eight figure salaries on a yearly basis you know 10 20 30 million dollars a year type of thing it's beyond my comprehension, and I've known so many of them that have taken the, the, the J. C. JCPenney look and, and other, groups over the, uh, other people over the past that turn around and said, I'm going to reverse the concept here, and instead of giving a tenth, I'll keep a tenth for myself, which is more than I need, and I w- so I, I'm still not being sacrificial in my giving, and I'll give this, this. That point is at the time where we start to see the gift of giving. God has blessed them in such a way that they, they feel the need to, to exceed. You know, I've seen congregations receive those gifts as part of their, their general budget and, again, have people turn around and just almost stop giving because we don't need to. We've got more money than we know what to do with. I've seen other churches that, that have that dilemma and turn around and take all of that kind of resource and put it directly into missions. One situation where a man uh, in, in, in uh, Cupertino uh, came into this kind of a situation in his life, and they, they set up, a, he went to his church, said, I don't know what to do now, you know, and they, they, they prayed about it and realized they were going to set up a uh, single <laughs> support mission board and takes missionaries and be the sole supporter of just whatever it is they need will come out of this funding, so they don't have to go from church to church to church to church to get their funding. They're going to be funded. And they don't have to even worry about that. And and uh, and and we'll and we'll put together three or four pastors from different churches on that board to to wrestle with how we do that and stuff. I thought that was an interesting approach. I, you know, I'm not suggesting that to everybody. I'm just saying. This the the scene. How giving can change. How has God prospered us is the real issue. I will tell you that in my life. I told you initially how I wrestled with tithing and and and, and various formulas the first uh, year or two of my Christian walk, and uh, you know, and it came down to that point where I realized, you know, again, it's it's being. Well, I'll get to that in a sec. It just the the that. You know, we, we look and and, and we, we, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. <laughs> okay, here. In my years of, of being a Christian and as I've been giving, I have had very affluent times. And God has given me the opportunity to be very generous during those. I have also had some extremely lean times. And in other words, I've gone from very fluent times, affluent times to very lean times. And to where a fraction of what I gave the season before when thing was, things were flowing, a fraction of that giving would be extremely sacrificial now. Well, somebody says, why did God stop prospering? Were you in sin or something like that? No, in transition. God was building a different person. And he needed to break me in a couple of things. I couldn't give. I, in fact, that was in, almost like an embarrassment. I, you know, I couldn't give what I had given before. I made in taxes. In one year, I made in taxes. I paid I, I, I made as a salary less than what I'd paid in taxes the year before. My giving didn't stop, but it changed based on what God was providing and how he's providing it. And I've seen people give less than a tithe and be giving sacrificially. and I've seen people giving a tithe and not even denting their wallet. So, it's really not, it's just a basic kind of like, here's the picture of, 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 of it needs to be, and, and I think a tenth is substantial enough that it gets our attention. I mean, what most of you, if you're tithing, could do with your tithe at the end of the year if you had kept it in a separate bank account. A few years you'd go out and buy a car, or you could do, you know, uh, whatever. You see, so so it's not it, it, a tenth is a significant number, but it's not the number. The number is how God has prospered you and prompted you and put it into your heart to give, and it is a personal thing. And so, how do I know how much to give? Well, I can only give you what I have come up with, and it's not the law. It's just the way I look at things. And, and quite candidly, this is how I handle most every quandary where I have a decision to make as to whether it's something I can, I, that God would receive or not as okay. Start with prayer. I know that's an obvious, but we start with prayer. And within the framework of that prayer is self-examination. And... It's not, you know, easy self-examination. It's not just, oh, Lord, uh, if I've done anything that I don't even recognize that I've done, forgive me. You know, omission, commission type things. It's search me. In fact, Psalm 139 has the verse, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous or wicked or evil way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, in your purpose, in your will, according to what you would say. Search me. And David isn't saying search me because he's bragging, thinking God's not going to find anything. He's saying search me so I will know. So part of the prayer, is, is, as I evaluate giving or any other aspect of serving God, is self-exam, search me, God. And within the framework of that search, searching uh, comes uh, the picture of Psalm 51, which was you know is, is something familiar to all of us, but that idea of in the midst of it, open my heart, God. Create in me a clean heart. Search me, created me a clean heart. And then to come up with a plan, a thought, an idea of what I, it looks like I can give. Sometimes I start and I say, okay, here's what I can see in my, in, in my budget, so to speak, that I can give. And I work it out. And it's interesting, as I work it out, I realize I can do more. So, the process of making a plan, for lack of better words. Now, we read these verses this morning. Whoever sows sparingly will uh, also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I come up with a plan, and now the next thing I do is I lay it on the altar before God. Somebody says, where's that? In my mind, in my heart, within the depths of who I am, I lay it before God. And if almost always, right away, I'll know if I'm fudging the numbers or doing anything that 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 I don't even think about. In a sense, he he helps me see. And there's a point where I come to that point where I can walk away with the confidence that he's smiling. I'm at peace with God, not only in my salvation, not only in my eternal life, but I'm at peace with God now about this aspect of my life, for the time being. And I don't know how else there can be a cheerful giver unless you are at peace with God and have wrestled with this before him. Because the idea of a cheerful giver here is almost the idea of somebody... Uh, hilariously giving you know I mean he just <laughs> this is I get to do this you know and and rather than I oh, it's tithe day you know um and and so it's it's a whole different way of looking at it. It's a Zacchaeus way of looking at it. I'm so excited, look at I, i'm an, I, I can do this, and now I can see it's at work in you Zacchaeus. cheerful giver, because I'm at peace, because I've wrestled with it. I've asked God to open my heart and search me and, and lead me in this. And if I have questions, I, I I hit the books. And I'll tell you, over the years, my I, I've wrestled with this, because the first church I went to, it was just plain and simple. You give a tithe. It wasn't plain and simple what the formula was, but it was plain and simple that you give a tithe. Period. And we didn't have, in fact, we didn't We we stopped passing the offering plate, and we put up boxes at the back of the church, and it had Malachi 310 on it, you know. And uh, uh, it was uh, kind of interesting, actually. Giving went down substantially for a while, and then it started to pick up again and actually then exceeded without ever having to pass the plate again. It was kind of a whole different way of looking at it. But still, there was that give the tenth. That was a good foundation for me. I needed to wrestle with it, at least at that level. But a tenth may be way too little based on how God has prospered me. Where do I give it? That's the other question that comes up. Where do I give it? Because Malachi says, bring it to the storehouse. The storehouse was a specific place where they stored the, 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 the foods and, and things that they brought for the Levites, for the, for the temple, for the service of the temple. We don't have the storehouse, so to speak, anymore. And I, I've heard a lot of different teachings on this. One of the things that I do know is, is that yeah, we are the living stones of the temple. The church, therefore, is the temple today collectively, you know, you know that idea we somehow need to bring it within the framework of the church to use okay um galatians chapter 6 we've used already uh, a couple of weeks ago galatians chapter 6 verse 6 uh, talks about uh you know blessing the teachers that you have blessing the leadership that you have in the sense uh, the idea of ministering to one another within the framework of a congregation, setting up a way to do that. I'm, a, I'm the proponent that says basically I think that that um, the majority of your set giving that you've agreed upon with you and the Lord should go to your local congregation. If you have a problem with that because of the way your local congregation is using the money, then that's something you need to work out with the leadership. It may be you are in the wrong place. God wants to put you someplace else where your tithe will go to a different purpose through that leadership. And if somebody tells you to give to Planned Parenthood, now, you all should be looking straight at me today because last week, instead of saying pregnancy center, you know, I said, "Planned Parenthood," and I and nobody, but nobody from out here, had said in that morning. Said, "I know." I didn't even see the. I saw two people kind of look at each other, but I didn't know what they were looking at each other about by that time. And it's one of those things. Sometimes I sit back over here and check my zipper, you know. And, you know uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, you know, uh, you, well, you see a lot of things going on out here from up here, and it's you know you have to, you know, uh, but. You know, it wouldn't have been wrong if somebody had said, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob, did you really mean Planned Parenthood? Or did you mean the the, the Pregnancy Care Center? Or the Crisis Pregnancy Center, some of us still call it. And fortunately, almost everybody knew what I meant. But I did it upset a couple of people. And fortunately, they went to one person and that person said, thank you. Uh, that that go tell him. Is it okay? Yes. It's not the only mistake I've ever made from the pulpit by any means, uh, right, Levi? Um, but uh, the reality is, is that if there is a problem with where you see the money going, that may be an indicator that you are in a place that God would move you out of. I don't, I'm not sure that that, in fact, I know from my perspective that's not a bad thing. There are congregations that I might, uh, you know, in fact, I know support things that I cannot support. And if they can support that, that means there's a belief disagreement in the the belief system between us. And so. uh, I will go where I am more comfortable in the sense of God leading me and what he's called me to support and to give to. I think the key for me in giving... Comes down to the key for me in everything. And, I, and I've already shared it with you. And it's the idea of self-examination. Being honest. This is who I am. This is what I have. And laying it before the Lord. Not with the calculator and the law as much as. Although that's not, I'm not faulting that. I'm just saying. But with the sense of. As God has prospered me. I want to share back to his kingdom's work. And Realize. Please, again, we have been invited by God to participate in the kingdom's work. This is not a, a drudgery. This is an honor How, to be included in God's thinking in such a way that, that I mean, he doesn't need my money. There, he must have a good reason for doing it this way, and I know that he does. He wants me to be intricately involved in a part of it. And I'll tell you what, it makes a difference. It makes a difference on how involved you get sometimes even in the local congregation, outside of your giving. As we come to communion, there's a scripture that comes out of, out of uh, again, out of, second, uh, out of First Corinthians, uh, that uh, talks about examining our hearts at communion. Paul writing uh, after he's already described uh, the the communion service and, and the aspects of it, he says, let a person examine himself. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In other words, you know, when we come to the communion table, we're supposed to desire what? A clean heart. It's supposed to be part of what we're looking for. That's why you'll hear, uh, sometimes we'll say, we invite everybody to participate in communion, but if you have not received Christ as your Savior, we ask that you abstain. Because this is something that's between you and Christ and being at peace with Christ. And him examining your heart through his sacrifice and all that goes with that. So, as we come to the table today, you know, uh, I think it's an appropriate thing every time for you to reflect and say, Search me, O God, and create in me a clean heart. And uh, uh, I invite the ushers to come and, and pass the, uh, the, the communion out, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.